Hi, I'm Chris Hutchings and I'm your host. Welcome to the 10Q Interview Podcast. The podcast that talks to content creators about their journey, about the lessons learned, about their processes and about the advice they would give to those who want to be content creators themselves. You may be experienced or you may be yet to hit publish or record, but I guarantee you there will be loads of insights and takeaways for you to think about. In today's episode, I talk to Rebecca Roberts, host of Hear It podcast and Have You Got Five Minutes. It's a great listen. Trust me. If this is the first time you're here, I wish you a very, very warm welcome. I hope you enjoy this podcast. I know you're going to. If you've got any interest in podcasting, starting one, making yours better, there's going to be some really good stuff for you to take away from this. If you do enjoy it, let me know your favourite bit on social media, at 10Q Interview, everywhere you may look. And don't forget to hit subscribe or follow wherever you are listening to this. It would mean the world to me and no doubt Rebecca too if you share this episode far and wide. There is probably at least one person you'll think of when listening who would benefit from also hearing it. Make sure to let them know. Anyway, now on to the podcast. Rebecca Roberts, welcome to 10Q Interview. Again, thank you. Today we're talking about podcasting and you have two podcasts, which is even more impressive. It's a sign of lockdown, I think, isn't it? It's just modern day, like how many podcasts you have? I've got two. Yeah, I do. (laughs) So I guess question one, why podcasting? How did you get started? So um, long story short, um, I kind of specialise, as well as doing kind of marketing comms, kind of consultancy campaigns across like sport, higher ed, public um, sector and charities, um, a particular kind of niche interest was kind of youth marketing and I felt out there in the ether there was a lot of kind of like trend reports and a lot of people kind of I guess using a bit of stereotypes and fear tactics to talk about like young people and so I started Mm -hmm. doing like an annual like engaging youth report and sharing that for free and people really liked it it was a really good way of kind of helping I guess upskill Marcom's um requirement to engage young people better but that was kind of like a once maybe twice a year if I did a paper um kind of opportunity and I was doing a newsletter sort of and I still do that sort of sharing different kind of articles or things I find each week but it was a conversations I was having with people who were kind of picking up the research or I was discussing with events that were really really interesting like a bit more in depth about how they were engaging in people or research they'd done or a TED talk they'd done about it. And I felt that if I could bring that to the same audience, that would be really cool. So I started doing that and it was a lockdown thing as well, but it had been, I guess on the schedule for in my head, like three years, I'd been like, Oh, I really want to get to that lockdown. Obviously some stuff scaled back. I had like, I had some regular work, but then also I had a bit more time, and to be honest, Chris, I wanted homeschool sucked, man. I just hated homeschool. And I was like, I've got two kids in primary school at the time. I was like, do you know what would be really great if I could just lock myself away for it and record a yeah. podcast just to break up the day? I'm, I'm working. I'm working, guys. Please don't come in. Yeah. No, I'd, um, but yeah, so it's a, a few things. That's, that's kind of why I felt like podcasting was better. And yeah, I felt like it was a more natural thing for me to do. Like it just, it was relatively comfortable once I got started. So you've been going, what, three, three-ish years now? Three years, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I've just um, been told I am going to be a judge at the British, British Podcasting Awards, which is very exciting. Is yeah, that right? so that'd be nice. So yeah, I've been how kind of... That, well, how did that come about? I got I sent an email about it and asked, like, if you're interested, drop an application in. And it's something I was really interested in generally because 
um yeah I, I'm really passionate about podcasts I think they're great love listening to them I think a lot of people think oh there's just too many out there and I'm always like encouraging like if it's something you want to explore like give it a go um, and I've been advising clients who've been using it as a comms tool uh, for, for about five years I've had different clients kind of exploring it okay. and then my own for three years so yeah that's that's something I'm doing there'll be a conflict if I start getting nominated <laughs> there you go like Rebecca just in case you are on this panel yeah I've not entered them this year so um yeah it's all good do you know what? I hadn't even heard of that before I maybe what was it called British Podcasting Awards okay maybe it's worth having a look at get a seat at the table get the tucks out there you go there's quite a few different awards some are really the casual like and there's, there's a few out there that are like free to enter or very low budget to enter some that are more kind of you know as marketers like we're very good at celebrating ourselves so there's, there's that kind of thing as well but yeah it just it was really interesting to kind of be involved in that and look at different criteria and stuff so yeah doing that yeah. for this year exciting stuff <laughs> exciting i guess for people who aren't familiar with you or your podcasts do you want to take this opportunity to give your quick elevator pitch for both God, of them? God, I'm really bad at sales. Aren't I? I've not even mentioned them yet. So I've got no, you're not. I'm, I, well, I'm, well, you may, maybe I'm a bad host, but I didn't sort of, I mean, I will say it in the intro, which I will record <laughs> later. But. Yeah, so then the one I talked about, about youth marketing, engaging in people is called the Hear It podcast. Just started recording season four of that, which is going really well so that should be out in the next couple of weeks but yeah you can listen to the other three ones and the other one is called have you got five minutes which i co-host with um harriet small so that came out totally we'd met through a comms group i guess a support group in lockdown and we were talking yeah. about like freelancing and different clients and i guess just getting through lockdown and, and chatting and um we just kind of came up with the idea and we did we've done three seasons of that work and life has got massively in the way and I guess it was born out of a need to be connecting with people and chatting when we didn't yeah. have normal kind of engagement around so we will probably come back to it at some point but that is very very kind of short and sweet discussions about you, stuff going on and you hadn't met had you if I remember correctly yeah that's right we hadn't actually met in person and we'd recorded I think we'd met after two seasons or one season we'd, not, we'd never met and then we met That's and we're like, this is mad. But yeah, so it's possible, right? And I think what's great is we just reached out to lots of different interesting people we wanted to talk to. Yeah. And yeah, we had some great conversations that I, I think we felt that weren't in the kind of industry podcast stuff. I think, and I still think there's a lot of like the kind of academic, these are things you should learn type mm. pieces. And podcasting for me anyway is like a bit of a, sometimes I want to learn and, and use it educationally, but I just want to chill out and listen to something interesting. So I think that entertainment factor was kind of there for for that one. It's funny you say that. I was just I, when you were t- talking earlier about the um, Hear It podcast, something that was going through my head, and I and I got no reason to back this up and no evidence. But do you think there's a is there a demographic who listens to podcasts? I, and what I mean by that is, do young people listen to podcasts? Yeah, they do. Um, they they. It's like I say, it's an entertainment thing. I think there is this myth. Don't get me started on youth audiences, but there is a myth that young people, <laughs> you know, have an attention span of a fly and they can't do long form, which is total bullshit. Because if they're interested, they'll binge mm. a Netflix series. They will spend yep. and get lost down loads of different content strands on TikTok. They will binge episodes of something, you know, the you know Love Island yep. podcasting or, or or anything else they're interested in. True crime is a really popular area for a lot of young people. They like that kind of morbid kind of stories and stuff. So I think it depends on interest. And the other thing to remember, again, like against youth is is that 
there is a lot of different people and different preferences and tastes within any age bracket. So I think it's yeah. it's going down to that niche. I know we've talked about before and like finding that kind of niche and that audience might be a range of ages or might be specifically, you know, into gaming. You look at Twitch, which is kind of like that gaming site where you can kind Twitch, of game and Twitch chat and whatever. Amazes me. It's really cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and I think that that's where you kind of go if you're thinking you got it nailed with YouTube, like Twitch is something different and you know a gaming audience that might want kind of live engagement while they're playing mm. and discussing stuff and then they might consume a podcast as well off the back of that um so yeah i wouldn't say it's a particular demographic i think it's becoming more more mainstream again they kind of went back i think podcast was kind of yeah. like not kind of peeking out a little bit a few years ago but i think lockdown did kind of open the floodgates as we are here now <laughs> indeed it's funny you talk about true crime and I, I'm a big fan. I don't know if you saw the show uh, Only Murders in the Building. I, did, I, I am such a wuss. I hate stuff like that. <laughs> I was, no, it's not. It's not. It's um, it's like a drama about a true crime podcast. Oh, okay. oh really? It's got Steve okay. Martin, Steve Martin, uh, Selena Gomez, and oh, what's his name? I'll come back to it. But, I'll have to look that up then. Oh, it's unbelievably good. But it's funny because like I I love watching that, and I don't watch a lot of television. But I don't really listen to true crime podcasts, which is, I don't know, maybe I should give it a go. It's definitely a niche. Like, yeah, as I said, I, like even the Jeffrey Dahmer thing on Netflix, I was like, I can't cope. I can't, it's just not for me. But no, I yeah, I think it's that. just about finding that niche. I think that's the key thing really with um, podcasting is just being kind of aware of who your audience is. I wouldn't say I'd go when yeah. I've got a specific thing, but I just wanted, I know mine's a niche. It's marketing comms people that want to engage these audiences better and are interested in that same kind of stuff. And whether that do, grows do you or think not, it's not. Do you, do you think that's for pod, podcasts is more so the niche thing is important? Yeah, because if you think about it, what other piece of content do you consume? I guess long form written, yeah. but you're, you're communicating with someone on a one-to-one basis. It's rare that you have a podcast listened to as a group. Sometimes on a drive, like me and my husband will go like, we'll battle over like, which one we can tolerate. His is normally like yeah. US politics or something else. But it's rare. So you're having this one-to-one like engagement. Oh yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll run to a history podcast. Like it's, we're not the same. But it's it's a very personal kind of experience. So by definition, having a niche or being quite clear on who that's for is, is helpful, I think. Yeah. No, I agree. I think, it's kind of strange more so for podcasting than any other channel i think yeah okay let's talk about brainstorming and ideation what's what's sort of your process there and, and that could be i guess how you came up with hear it in the first place or um have you got five minutes or it could be on an episode basis i mean i don't know i guess my takeaway from this new found creator podcast is i want people to listen to it and be inspired and and, and learn from experts which I deem you to be one. <laughs> That's a terrifying thought. Yeah, I think when I'm planning a season, I try and um, go at it from a, a number of perspectives. I guess because a lot of it came out of this age engaging youth report where I looked at different factors that impacted young people's lives. I want to kind of represent that each season so it's not just to focus on one area. So I'll have people on from higher education. I'll mm. talk about behaviour change science. I think that's really interesting from a building a marketing campaign perspective and social norming and stuff for, for teens in particular. And then I'll look at, you know, are we... The youth? There are a lot of youth agencies, some good and some bad, but I'll try and bring that into 
the season to kind of learn from you know some of the campaigns the big brands are doing yeah are their insights as good as you'd think and and try and unpack that a little bit am I making sure I've got you know um, I'm hearing from underrepresented groups within an episode a season am I bringing so I had someone from the Running Me Trust which is a fantastic charity talking about you know social deprivation and youth audiences what can I learn from that from from a comms perspective and bring that in yeah. So yeah, and, and like sport and physical activity, having worked in the sports sector, I always try and bring a bit of that in as well. So I try and make sure that each season's got a bit of a balance to it and then I can find okay. the right people. Yeah. When we spoke last time, you were, you were very passionate about youth engagement. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you, you said that there was not very good, which is why you kind of went into it and you were trying to make it better, right? Have you... Yeah. Is that, I mean, yeah, first of all, is that so. accurate? <laughs> yeah. 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 So secondly, is, is um, and I know it wasn't a million years ago we spoke, but have you seen any change, any improvement as a, since then? I think people are, I think the conversation shifting. I think there's a recognition now. People aren't so shocked when I'm like, you must make sure you're paying people for your time. You must mm. really think about, you know, and I just had a conversation just now and I'd read an article and I'll share the links in case anyone's interested, but this idea that there is a bit of a, a research fatigue amongst particularly underrepresented voices you know I'm, I'm working on one campaign with young people with learning disabilities now there is a, a group in this one region of young people with learning disabilities that do kind of activities for others and and, and they were saying oh we're always being asked to do research or to answer surveys and so I'm like that's really interesting and I've got some paid roles that they're getting involved but I've recruited through a number of other different routes and mm-hmm. So there is a research fatigue going on. I think it's an important. Were, were they upset that they were kept getting asked, or were they yeah, upset I, I that think, they kept getting asked and nothing happened as a result? I think a mix both? of that, and I think how people research can be quite tokenistic. I think it's important people share that insight so that we're not going to the same people yeah. all the time, because why not? We're trying to make that better. And yeah, I think you're right. There is a bit of like, are you actually doing anything from this or or not? Mm. And also trauma informed research. So if you're if something is sensitive, are people being mindful? Like you're not using young people to, you know, for the sake of it. So I think that's quite important kind of thing to have. So I do think the conversation shifting. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's solved by any means. I still see some pretty poor approaches, but you know, it is a, it is progress, I guess, in some ways. And I think my thing was around just sharing it with other Mark Holmes people, because, you know, there isn't a commercial thing to my research. It's just like, I'd rather people just talk about it and make it better. So I think that's the other thing that kind of, came fitted with the podcast it's just like another content channel for me to I guess market what I do if I'm yes. honest yeah, yeah. it's a marketing tool I don't the whole advertising and schmoozing and like if I'm asked about a networking event a networking event it's just I hate it I, it's not really for me so I feel like podcasting is like an easier way to way do to get that your voice out yeah yeah, yeah. Are, you, are you uh are you proud of having a podcast did you do you tell people when you first meet them yeah like we've i think we talked about this in the first one do you know what the first season of hear it i didn't really promote it much which i know sounds so so stupid i guess i did on a professional level yeah. with my with i guess like linkedin but oh, i have a love hate thing with linkedin but like with friends and family i was like oh i've got this thing and i was quite apologetic about it which is just yeah. ridiculous and now i'm just like it's here it's, it's just one thing i do and you know most of my like personal network that they're not in Marcom so it wouldn't be of interest but some are and some have shared it and that's nice and I think yeah I'm I'm not apologetic I am proud of it I mean last season um, have you got five minutes charted 
all the way through it was just like I think because our strategy was to keep the episodes really really short and like bite-sized people didn't know us or didn't care about us it was about great guests we were going on a key issue and it was meant to be like bite-sized kind of easy access content here it's a bit different but again I've learned that keeping it short and sweet when people don't know you or you know whatever that's that's, a big difference doesn't it huge yeah. and so that helped and yeah that's charted really well this past se- this past season so yeah that's kind of going up now which is really nice and what what are you using for your charting chartable chartable yeah and then yeah. like you can look on apple uh, the insights from the apple stuff is interesting they're very different to what your podcasting platform will have as well and then you use yeah. chartable so you kind of layer on there's not like one source of like this is perfect i just kind of use yeah. a few different places to get an insight have you signed up to Chartable? As in, have you submitted stuff to it, or is it just because my 10Q pops up there quite regularly? I haven't done anything to do that, and I don't know if I should be doing something. No, or just, got, that's part and parcel. I have the free account on there, and I do. There is like a good tool on there where you can. Have, it's like a magic link which will list all the ways your podcast can be listened to so okay. a person like on social media that really helps because not everyone will listen to apple podcasts and might listen to, to it through spotify yeah. or amazon or whatever so if you do this it's like a mini landing page it's, it is like a magic link and i do think that okay. is helpful because otherwise you're kind of i'll do like hey if you want to listen to spotify blah, blah blah and you're like oh my gosh i'm bored of myself so yeah, yeah so that is quite a good way of doing it i i put, <laughs> I put buttons on on the on my web page listen on spotify listen on apple and on the web page it kind of looks okay because it's just like a, a two rows of four buttons and they're quite small whereas you go on mobile oh my god like you have to scroll for like three pages to try and get to the past all the bloody yeah buttons. magic link it <laughs> it's probably good I will, i'll have a look at that i didn't know you could do that okay yeah. good tip for everyone <laughs> systems and processes now obviously when you were doing two i know how much hard work putting a podcast out what tell me about ways systems or processes you might implement or people you might have got involved in in publishing that I guess make your life easier or make yeah do you know what I've t- easier. I may I've not got like loads and loads of advice on this because I do a lot of it myself and I would hear it I've always have edited myself mm-hmm. and use um audible for that well, no I don't that's a lie. I use Audacity for that. Audacity. Yeah. Audacity. Did you did you teach yourself that, or yeah. did you know how to do it? Taught myself. Just Google, yeah. YouTube stuff. Like keep it quite simple. My big thing was it's a lot more straightforward than I think a lot oh of God, people yeah. probably. I mean, it's a bit scary to look at. It is, and but I think the best advice I got was from a guy called Dave Musson from Mustard Media. Shout out to Dave. So he has a busy day job, but he does a lot of podcasting. He does a lot of like really niche like he's got a great Stephen King podcast he does this rugby club podcast lots and lots of his personal interests and passions he's really good at what he does I'm going to be tapping you up for an intro yeah yeah I will do (laughs) but Dave was like to be honest you just need to get started just yeah just start because the whole fear of like I need to teach myself this like it's it's quite intuitive yeah I may I've made mistakes I've like faffed around but doing that and then like buying I think it was audio jungle I got my ident like audio sounds and then you can buy I think if you're not if your audience is below a certain amount and it's not commercial above a certain amount it's a set fee and you can kind of do all just get yourself familiar with those type of things yeah and then so I did all that and I a little hat that from my first season to my second which was just I mean this is like basic stuff but pre-recorded you say, you say that it's I know basic, I know but, but it's like useful yeah. I, I found that when I started, of all the things you can start, whether it's a social media account or even a YouTube channel, 
I felt like podcasting was almost a little bit difficult for difficult sake. Like, you know, you had to get your host in and then you had to submit it to Apple, to Spotify, to blah, 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 blah. blah. Yeah, setting up with Apple was the hardest bit. It's just like, it's just slow. But once it's done, you don't have to ever do it again. It's fine. So setting all that up. And again, just like, this is why the internet's brilliant. Just Google stuff and find out, you know, hosting. Yeah, you can host and record through all different ways. But yeah, um, Podbean I host through and I use Zencaster, which you use. But I've, again, I did an interview with someone else and they use Riverside. Riverside's pretty good. So it's just kind of finding the things that work for you. Yeah. And yeah, the graphics and stuff we have. I had a freelance designer do stuff for both Hear It actually and Have You Got Five Minutes. And when we had, we had a season sponsored, I think it was our second season for Have You Got Five Minutes. And we used that money to, we actually used Dave Musson to produce, to save a bit of time because we had, work was so busy for both of us again. Yeah. As stuff was picking up, coming out of the pandemic, we were like, we that takes a time. So mm. that was like I, the gift of getting some time back. And But then I do think, I mean, Dave's a great producer, but I do think sometimes actually when you're doing the interviews, you'll know what you like the most. And I think there is a real, you either have to have a really good relationship. That's why I wouldn't go down the Fiverr route from a production point of view because you lose that, like the sound bites. Like Dave got it. Like he totally knew what we were trying to achieve, so it was fine. And I think yep. when you're doing it yourself, you know, oh, we had a laugh then or like we fluffed a line that was quite funny I'm going to leave that in or that was really interesting I that quote yeah. I liked so I think that I think that produce if you're going to get someone to edit and produce for you that's quite important I, I think it's incredibly important I think it, it I've heard so I've heard people talk about that from a YouTube perspective as well as in why they edit their own stuff as opposed to outsource it and I, I totally agree with you I think there's little things that, when, especially when it's your own podcast as well there's little things you think oh I want to keep that in and you have well, to have your, that, that relationship between you and that editor yeah. is so important. So I kept it all easy with in, in-house for this season. Well, last season, for always for Hear It, but for um, Have You Got mm. Five Minutes. And I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out in future because I think time-wise that is where you, you can yeah. save loads. The other thing that I think is really cool, I use Headliner, which for the um, audiogram, so you can kind of... Stri- and it can automatically pick up from your podcast and you pick a clip. You get free 10 minutes a month. Well, it's a free count, so they're great for promotion. So if, if someone doesn't know your podcast and don't, don't know you, you know it's a really good way to give them a flavour. So you use a quote or the little bit of the conversation. It's really great. You can put um, really. It's really important you make stuff accessible, so it'll do your subtitles, and you can kind of make sure they they're accurate. Yeah. Edit one thing I've started, but I haven't fully done yet. I'm trying to get the archive of Hear It onto YouTube. I'm using Wave for that. W A V V E. And their, their paid account is really good because it will transcribe everything for you and you can just check it, but it's pretty good. And then oh, really? I'm putting that on there. Again, so just so it's accessible and you've got it there and it can grow audience over over time as well. So you've not just got audio. I don't record video yet. It's just, I've just not done it, but you can get a nice graphic and have your audio on there. And that's how I'll start. And then eventually maybe go to video for an ET. Cap Cut's another good one for that. I started using for... Oh um, yeah, I just use that yeah. for TikToks. <laughs> Yeah, but if you the auto captions thing good? on it nice. is really good. Yeah, oh, um, try that. They're not perfect, but I mean it's a free tool ultimately. And I mean you you got to check even even the premium ones. You still have to check. So yeah, it's worth having a look at. 
yeah. headliner. Yeah, do you know, you're the second person in this week to talk to me about headliner. Mm, yeah, I I not really had many issues with it, and I mean, if you have a paid account, you can kind of save brand templates. But to be honest, if you've got your like a graphic per episode, or or even just like yeah. your general, it's so it is a really intuitive tool to drop stuff in. Um, Canva's another one, obviously yeah. great for little stories and just like videos, and I'll. Again, it's just what, where where does it end? Because this isn't my job. Like this isn't like no. a, ma- a big source of income. It's just like an additional thing. So okay, again, so let me ask yeah. you then. That's a, that's a good point then because I'm the same. Right, this isn't my full time job. I'm not earning a, an income out of it. But there's that fine line between putting out good quality stuff, but actually having the time to do so. Because I'm sure anyone who's tried to put out a podcast know it's not a five minute job, right? I mean this this podcast if you say it's an hour then you've got to listen back to it you've got to edit it you've got to do it the time can rack up pretty quickly massively and that's where i think like i mentioned before my one thing and then i didn't say it my one kind of thing i learned from the first season to second one was around saving time and it was around yeah. like pre-recording an intro and an outro which sounds stupid but the whole getting your music right and the intro bit and all the rest of it so i'd kind of clip those and save them so that when yeah. i could i could just drop those in to start with yep. then i listen back and i keep it i try and keep my interviews i'm quite good at trying to keep them quite focused and i'll consolidate questions to try and keep my listening back time down and then yeah. i'm a bit less precious of like i used to be like i'm gonna take every um and everything and i do like to do that because i think everyone i know i'll do it has like li- little things they do so like dave is producing is like you always <laughs> can go like um, and you do and I'm like I'm sorry because I know you talk with your hands and I can hear this like faffy thing around the microphone <laughs> and I it's just like you know what Rebecca when, <laughs> when you listen back to your own podcasts I mean there's not many people out there who love the sound of their own voice as it is but when you listen back to your podcast you're like oh my god do I, do I, I used to have this thing I'm trying so hard to stop doing it I kind of like smack my lips before I start a sentence <laughs> and, so I, and I used to I said to my wife I was like I, obviously, I'm I'm 44, and I've never known I'd done that. And then I said to my wife, I was like, do I do it? She goes, yeah, a little bit. I was like, how do you put up with that? It, must dro- yeah. it drove me crazy. It's as soon so as funny. I, like, when you yeah. pick up those verbal ticks, you can't stop hearing them. And it's it like, oh, Today is old, and I realise, yeah, no, you do, and everyone does it. So, again, that whole, like, do I start recording? You will hate mm. everything you record in terms of your own thing. But remember, well depends on your podcast but you're not necessarily always a star of the podcast like yeah. you'll do it but you're there how I get around of it ego wise is like oh I'm not doing this because of me I'm doing it because I want to in- interview the person coming on so yeah. I kind of get over my you have to get over yourself because no one really cares that much so you, you kind of go oh, and that's nobody notices it as no. much as you do no. no and so you just kind of get on with it and like yeah I still feel embarrassed like someone at the gym not long ago went oh like I listened to your podcast actually and I was like I feel really embarrassed but why like it's it just it is a bit cringe I guess sometimes yeah. when you put stuff out there but you are it's quite because I think it makes you feel vulnerable right you you're putting content out any content you feel vulnerable like how many of you people aren't scared to judge either you know so exactly and like you can put some something out an opinion like I find sometimes putting opinions out there can be like quite scary I I did um, a podcast for PR week and it was on England football and like the racism experienced like at the Europe yeah and I was actually like genuinely quite nervous about putting my, my opinion out having worked in premiership football as a comms marketing person 
about like getting trolled or having an opinion and because yeah. I ju- you just do get nervous with that and I didn't I didn't have anything any issues but I was a bit like oh, I've written I wrote an article I wrote a blog for them and then they asked me to come on a podcast and yeah I was a little bit like oh I am nervous so I think putting any content out there can feel quite exposing so yeah it is just getting nervous you know it's interesting you say that though I'm, I'm going off script here a bit but <laughs> I, I have this sort of theory that putting vanilla content out there there's so much content out there these days like we're drowning in content and putting vanilla content out there is just a bit that right it's just a bit boring and actually trying to build an audience or grow something just doesn't really doesn't give any anyone anything to get behind so you almost have to have an opinion right yeah and i had a really interesting conversation with a podcast that will come out soon on here actually yesterday um about ai and we were saying like ai like oh, i'm sick of people having like a hot take on it but is <laughs> i am but come rebecca's hot take <laughs> on ai <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> no um it's like it's the most revolutionary thing to have happened in comms and content for like some mm. time and I think there's a lot of scaremongering about it, but what it does is it enables more and more content, right? So what we're lacking, it becomes, it's a great opportunity to to stand out because there'll be just content out there. So having yeah. something that isn't just generic that anyone could say is even more important. So that niche yeah. and human element becomes even more important. So like having an opinion is like even more important than it was before, I think. Um, yeah, I yeah, and I think as long as you know where that opinion is taking you, like... I've said stuff before on podcasts and like been quite opinionated about stuff. And then you go, Oh, actually I've kind of changed on that take. But I think if you own that, it's cool. Yeah. I think it's when you kind of, you want to go off on a tangent just for the sake of being like controversial. Then I'm like, ah, oh, I don't know. It's not my thing. No. Fair enough. What are your goals with your podcast? Do you have goals? Yeah. I, w- I will be looking at making it more of a slight source of income only because I've been asked too much this year could you just mention this brand or could you just mention this event could you just mention this okay. yeah and I'm, I don't have a huge audience it's still relatively niche but for certain companies tech companies that want to get to my comms um for events that want them to come obviously and I'm like no um if you want me to do that or can you interview this person I'm like that's the kind of like difficult one I'm like if they don't fit editorially I'm not just going to interview the sake of it if you, want to, if you want a part in the podcast, we can have a discussion. But it, that that goes back to then. So for the hear it, because we were getting our sponsors, yeah. we just did a really basic plan of like, what are what are our, I guess, principles? Like who would we and wouldn't we want to have sponsors? Yeah. Where do we draw the line around editorial versus paid? And how do we kind of justify that? So I think actually, um, I mean, these are just little things in you that should be in the back of your mind if you're creating a podcast but it's quite useful to put that down on paper because then when you are approached you go mm, that feels a bit iffy or like if you want to sponsor it that that's one thing well, were you approached by anyone you thought was a bit iffy and said no it's more just like you could you interview this person and obviously that sometimes it's to- totally irrelevant person I'm yeah. like no that's you're just going to be it's just going to be a sales interview it's not going to be very interesting yeah. so I think it's just having that conscious kind of decision on like who wouldn't wouldn't you like sometimes you're offered someone you're like oh that's quite interesting and they're going to sell a book well that's fine as long as the book content's going to be interesting and they're not just going to talk about the books I'll obviously link yeah. it up in the show notes so I think it's just having that I guess that approach and then I guess from a commercial thing like you won't well I personally wouldn't want like 
alcohol gambling brands or not they would but you just never know with youth audiences so yeah and I think and I don't go too political because it's just not again it's irrelevant in terms of what Mm. I'm trying to achieve so I think that's quite useful to do that when you start getting approached so yeah thinking about it as like a, a potential income element but even the trouble is as soon as you do start having sponsors and partners servicing that's quite a lot of extra work make sure the ads are right make sure you're reporting on those numbers so again I see a lot I know a few podcasts that have had quite healthy sponsors that I am surprised at so I wonder about the metrics they've reported so I think it's really easy to go yeah like we've charted and we've got thousands of listeners and then the reality is like you can chart and not necessarily have like thousands and thousands of listeners and being really clear on your information because there's no point blagging it because you've got to report back on that with a sponsor so let me ask you then so for people listening who are on their podcast journey and and monetization is becoming a thing tell us a bit about how it came around for you or the the process i guess because i think i think there'll be people who are on this journey and like you know you and i both worked in marketing so there's probably an element of we've got some idea of how to navigate this not perfect idea but there'll be other people who set up a podcast in lockdown about you know true crime in in kent and i've got no idea about this stuff what what sort of tips and i advice would you would you be giving them or things to think about yeah firstly there are quite a lot of agencies and individuals that will offer brokering that type of relationship so that's something you could explore for me and i guess like it'd be the same for you having worked in marketing i was like we'll manage manage this ourselves and we'll just kind of (laughs) deal with it we'll do a slide deck ourselves about our stats and we'll talk about what we are you know what we offer as a podcast so do you think a media pack is something that everyone yeah a slide deck with just some key information and that's and i think it's useful because if you think about it you start something on a niche or a a whim or you might just try it and then actually putting Mm. down on paper like what you're about what you're trying to achieve who for is good to kind of get your niche nailed right so it's useful and i'm only talking a one pager you know use canva whatever like a a a template no one's really bothered it's just so it looks like relatively professional and then if you're asked can you send us a deck on what you're offering yeah i think with have you got five minutes it came about because we we talked about next door app in one of our early episodes yeah and then they retweeted it i mean the brands that have retweeted posts about the podcast, like that we've just mentioned, Pinterest, like I mean, huge brands that you tag them in because you mention them. So I think there's a tactic in itself in terms of you mention books or you mention brands or you mention whatever, yeah, or potential sponsors. It wasn't deliberate, but it was just kind of naturally happening. And then we tagged it in one of the posts next door. Like, oh, we love this. We were contacted by someone who worked there, and we had a discussion, and they said, oh, we're, we're actually quite looking looking for different ways to kind of get the brand out to target audience like this, blah, 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 blah. And then they came on board as a partner and didn't really expect much. We obviously reported on stuff. We actually interviewed that person, the person in Alice um, Skeets in the second or third season. I can't remember, but because it was relevant and interesting and it wasn't like it was on a a theme rather than let's talk about the app and why it's brilliant. And I think that fitted really well for us. Then we were, courted by like a number of different brands and it was getting big and it was hard to know like how much like to ask for I think that's a really difficult one and I think the bigger you go the more you're like can we service this or does this feel like and what are you going to do with the money because it's how did you make how did you decide what that number was oh I think it was really 
I think it was really basic. I don't even know. I can't even remember. We had a sort of conversation about it and we're like, oh, what? I think what we came down to, I got a quote for how much it would be to produce. We knew how much of the hosting was costing. And so we yeah. went, actually, if we got that, it solves it. And we don't have to do anything more because we weren't in a position to go, yeah, we'll sort loads of paid ads and we'll do this because we just were flat out with other stuff. So yeah. I think that's a probably, it's a really maybe roundabout way of doing it but it was like actually realistically this solves a problem for us not that your sponsor will go i want to know exactly how i'm spending every money every penny because some of it could just be and then we make a bit of money but i think for us it was like actually that felt more comfortable because we knew that it was helping just deliver it that that season um i think i'd probably do that again really i wouldn't want i don't think i'd cope with it being too much more than that because but were you under yeah. were you underselling yourself by doing that? Oh, massively. When we found out what another podcast that was having, like half our listeners was getting, we were like, we messed <laughs> up. No, we didn't mess up. It was just like I wouldn't. I think I'd have felt more uncomfortable with sort yeah. of saying big numbers, whatever. I don't know. Maybe underselling. But yeah, I think for this one, I, I'd rather say no if it's someone that's like I want to you to interview my CV and say my brand's brilliant and to sell, 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 sell. Because I just think it would make a hate podcast that have got like five thousand ads in. So I think it's just that balance between what you want it yeah. to do. Because some podcasts will do it on a on a like an average listen, listenership, like how many things do, do, do the brands want to see your analytics? Do they? Yeah, normally, like the yeah. conversations I've had recently, it's like all oh, um we would like we kind of considering this, but I want to know this information, and I think it's really important to be a like transparent with that but also really understand them yourself so mm. for me like I have really good like listener retention so they tend to listen through right to the end they're really repeat listeners and I know where they're based and that kind of stuff and that's kind of it really that I kind of know what, what those analytics tell me um yeah so I think that's quite important okay interesting do you think last question on monetization do you think you can get it to a point where it actually not necessarily becomes a full-time job, but actually, but maybe the full-time salary. I think I'm sure. I mean, there's loads of people that get do podcasting really, really well and have it as like a really big, I guess, yeah. income strand. One thing I would say is, and this was just another bit of advice I got from a podcaster who she's got some good sports podcasts actually. She um, was saying so the automated ones you get through your, the Podbean, whatever, and they'll say like you know you agree to ads here, and they kind of almost automatically do it. And yeah, that can like be a those. faff to set up. I don't like them, but also the challenge with those is you don't have any control over the ads. If it's a no. shit ad or if it's a really crap brand or unethical, whatever, you, that's not your in your gift. So I kind of avoid that. I'd rather manage it however time poor I am, have that. Yeah, I think, I agree. yeah, it, it might come to a point where you go, well, what is this for? So for me, it is literally just personal interest and, and interviewing people that I personally find really interesting but I think that the people who are connected to like my newsletter and previous and pr- prospective clients would find useful so it is a marketing mm. tool for thread and fable and yeah. my you know the consultancy I do um if it becomes more than that I, I think that makes a decision like do I want to do more of this or not because you may just I mean I do love it I, ca- I can't imagine that being like more than my consultancy that I do and the campaign stuff I would yeah. rule it out, but I think that's where you have to constantly ask because you, you're busy. People go, "Where's this next season?" You're like, "I'm doing." Well, that's it. You right need now. to make a decision one way or the other, don't you? Yeah, yeah. definitely. You see, the, the final thing on that dropping in the ads. I was listening to a podcast last week, a big podcast, big UK-based podcast, sports-related, and 
I can't remember who it was, but they were telling this story. It was like a really engaging story, and it was really serious. They're talking about the guy, he'd had cancer. He basically had cancer, and he'd beaten it. And it was like, he was building this, it was painting such a picture. And you know when you're really invested in like the storyline? And then like halfway through a word, it cut out and went to this advert about, I don't know, Athletic Greens probably. <laughs> or someone High performance podcast then, because that's what they're saying about the constantly. Yeah, it was high performance Was it? <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, I just thought to myself, I mean, this is a very well produced podcast. I, I'm sure it's making good money. And I just thought it's a bit shit that they've got this doing this because, like I said, it was it was quite a serious. Like you know, sometimes they drop in, it's like whatever. But this it just took the whole story just like yeah, you, look, up in smoke. You don't want to do ITV in your ads, and they do it like cliffhanger or like you know mm. at random moments. Yeah, and I think that's the whole goes back to having that eye on production always. Like no matter yeah. how successful you are, you would always hopefully want to kind of. I mean, it's only simple things like. You, they will have a big production team, right? But yeah, yeah if yeah. they automate the ad drops in, yeah, that might be easier. But it wouldn't. T- it doesn't take long to go. I think I no, had I... one like midway through a transition through. Have you got five minutes? Which made sense because we were like, you're transitioning through. We do a promotional. It was at the end or whatever. Yeah. And if someone wanted to come on for one episode and promote and have a sponsorship, that's how we did it. But I think anything more than that could be overkill. And the other thing is, particularly when you're building an audience who don't know you, if you've got. 10 ads and like high performances a lot if you've got like four ads before you even get going you're like oh my god i can't be bothered and i flip onto the next podcast and that's mm. but that's just me and my no, no. brain but like i get bored very easy i don't mind ads because i get it but at the same time i think you need to space them out and particularly when you're starting off i think if it's too salesy it can be a bit yeah it's a bit of a nick oh, it's a big it's a big topic in in the content creation world and I just think there's some brands who do it better than others. There's some podcasters who do it better than others. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't necessarily flick onto a different podcast, but I will hit that plus 45, plus 45, plus 45 until I get to a bit of conversation, which is rubbish, right? Because, I mean, that's just rubbish for anyone involved. It's rubbish for the podcaster because you're kind of annoying your listener. It's rubbish for the advertiser because everyone's just skipping through. I don't know. I feel like there's a better way of doing it, but... It's probably a podcast in its own, it's its own right. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I, I know you're a marketer by trade, so I, I guess engagement and audience would be very important to you. What's your thoughts about audience engagement when it comes to your podcasts? With Hear It and Have You Got Five Minutes, actually, it was all through my, my personal, and how it's like personal kind of like social media worlds. And I only sort of stripped out a separate Twitter for Hear It and Instagram for here, it just because I thought it keeps a repository of the content there yeah. and it's just focused. It's not a key thing, like I must grow those channels, but it gives it a destination. <clears throat> yeah, I think I do have some engagement. Like if I tag about an, an episode or someone goes, oh, I'd love to hear that interview. There's an article out last week and I was like tagging the person who wrote it because I was like, oh, I'd love to get you on the podcast. Well, it was really interesting. And then a few of the people who listen were like pestering them for me, which is great. Um, I think there, I think engagement is really key, but it's got to be natural. And I think if it feels like, like you don't want to, yeah. it would be odd. I think the podcasters that do it really well are the ones where if someone tweets about or posts about the con- piece of content they liked, it's just like courteous, like, oh, thanks so much for listening, or like really interested. Equally, I guess if someone listened and didn't like it, where do you draw the line at discourse on that? What feels comfortable? Like, I don't yeah. have a particularly controversial... Podcast. have you had any trolls 
No, touch wood. No, no, I haven't actually. But you, you never know. Like, I think there's just, yeah, the ways to handle it. I think, and I know my brother's a journalist, right? So he's um, had trolls previously about stuff. And I think um, the ways he's often handled it, and Greg James has got a really great recent example of this. Uh, he talked about, I think he'd made fun of the fact Greg James um, from Radio One um, that Elon Musk the, the rocket launch was a bit of a flop, yeah, yeah. and so all these like massive Elon fans were like, "What have you done apart from have like a sense of humour of a twelve year old?" And like, but he just started retweeting them, which was just, like really really <laughs> funny because all these people were, like it's just ridiculous. Like it can I know people have had really bad online trolling, um, particularly women working in sport actually uh, in journalism, and it is constant and awful and reporting it is obviously really important and I wouldn't say you retweet all of them but I think it's almost like letting your own audience kind of support you in that and yeah. it's almost like you don't get into the debate on that I've had a few I'd had a troll actually I'd written a blogged about it's from a blog rather than a podcast I'd blogged about the rise in vaping among teens in the UK so one in five 15 year olds vape yeah. the rates are really high and like you know China have now stopped the sale of flavoured vapes in the country full stop because they recognise that's becoming addictive, but they sell it across the world. So the, the call is like, look, if it's getting people off smoking, great, but actually yeah. it is becoming a thing in itself. And the shops, the, my blog was basically saying, you know, the, the way that shops are positioned, and I know because my kids will pass it, like, can we go in that toy shop? Because they've got fidget toys and like all these other things. And I was like, it's really inappropriate. And then I got a, a wave of American pro-vape <laughs> Uh, is that a thing like people going like you what you, you're now discriminating people that adults that might need fidget toys and I'm like fuck off so I kind of went you're pro vaping like cool my point is about UK this these are the stats that's my point yeah. but really trolls aren't really interested in your point it's just yeah, like just they caught they said I was spouting fishing, aren't they? yes I'm spouting like da, 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 and like lies and if if basically it was a veiled threat that if you were someone else you you want to be careful because I might do something like to to highlight your your lies, and yeah. I was just like, I think I put something like, "Are you okay, hun?" or something stupid like I'm, because I was just like, "Come on now!" and loads of people were like, "Wow, okay," and that's that's one little troll thing. And I I haven't had anything from the podcast. Yeah, I've just think about another one actually. So two years ago there was something around exclusion rates for young people from minority backgrounds were disproportionately higher than basically white students and i was like right this is really like an issue when you particularly layer on the information that most teachers are white in the uk it's like fundamentally an issue and it's talking about it and tagged loads of research in that been read about it I hadn't there wasn't an article i was retweeting a research report right. and i just had an opinion on it going back to having an opinion and yeah, this yeah, one yeah. guy basically went for me and before i'd even responded a woman who follows me had went not today satan and then loads of people had basically said like what's your problem and i was like amazing like i so it's kind of I good know, jumping in to defend you yeah and just like this guy was being racist right so yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was just one of those it's just interesting kind of responses and again i think yeah not get too embroiled in it but yeah there's me going no i haven't had a troll but yeah not on the podcast but yeah <laughs> being opinionated with the blog or even just retweeting can be yeah joyous it's funny I, so as we were talking before we came on I, i'm now targeting content creation you know and, and content creator economy and what have you and i've started putting videos up on youtube and actually putting more of an effort into the video stuff 
And I, I haven't got that many subscribers on YouTube yet. We're getting a healthy amount of views and stuff, which is great. And I got my first troll uh, this week. Oh, nice. And my wife's like, oh, my God, you're right. I was like, I was like this is amazing. <laughs> I've made it. It's so funny. Like, it's so funny, isn't it? When my brother had retweeted, he basically had death threats because he talked about an actor and said... Uh, yeah, he's a movie critic, right? So anyway, he's had this, this stupid response and he'd retweeted a really vile message he'd received. And then he'd got, got received some more. And then he had a DM from the troll saying, um, hey man, could you retweet um, this other thing I'm going to say about you? Because I got like, I got so many likes that I felt like I was going viral before. And I was like, wow. Oh yeah, mate, let me just get right on that for you. Oh, yeah. No, I'm really worried about your audience. Like how amazing is that? So I think that when I've done well, crisis that's why they're comms, doing it, yeah, right? I mean, you... crisis comms advice one hundred and one, like they want attention, they want yeah. a response. So the best thing is genuinely just like ignore them. But yeah, what was your troll about? Oh, he said. Um, so I put out a YouTube short from the first episode of the new format, and he said, "This is the most boring short on the most boring topic <laughs> with the most boring two guys I've ever I've ever heard or something." <laughs> It's great reviewing, Chris. Like, <laughs> and I was like, for, I sat there for five minutes looking. I was like, "What are you talking about?" It, it, it was a good bit of content. Like, if, it was about um, newsletters, and I was like, "If you wanted to write a newsletter, this is." This but is to go really, to really what, ma- what amazes me with any troll, imagine going to putting enough effort into your day. Going, I don't even respond to like calls and messages right. half the time. To go to the effort to go, do you know what that's? I'm so annoyed about that. I'm going to, like, it's a bizarre thing. It's really bizarre. You know what was really funny, though, Rebecca? What, what really tickled me was I went on his YouTube channel. So, obviously, it was on YouTube, and it has his username. So, I clicked on his username to have a look. And he's had a YouTube channel for eight years. And he had something like, I don't know, 20 subscribers. And every video he's put out has got, like, five views. And for the first, I was looking at it, I was thinking... Sounds like you need to watch your content. Like, how, are you, how are you giving me like tr- shit about this? And then I, was, then I, then I sort of thought about it some more, and I was like, Do you know what? This guy is obviously so annoyed with the whole system, and the, he's so disillusioned with the whole content creation game that he's bitter, basically. And it's always about them and their own issues with something yeah. rather than you. But it's just, yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's, it's just, yeah, it tickled me, but. Well, I think I think he's probably one of your secret. Like, he's going to be watching all your content. You know that. So. I reckon he is. I reckon he is. Maybe he might grow his audience as a result. I don't know. He's, just, he's definitely subscribed. I'm sure he is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on from trolls. Who cares about them? You, you spoke about it briefly a minute ago, but do you do you look at an, analytics of your podcasts? And I guess do you look at it for more a reason? I.e., do you look at it to sort of see what's worked, what's not worked? Yeah, I think it's really, sometimes what's really interesting is you'll do an interview, an episode and you're like, oh, this is amazing. And it won't resonate as much. And yeah. and it's hard to really pinpoint why. So I think it's sometimes really good to listen to those ones back because the successful ones, yeah, you learn from that. And you're like, oh, people really, you know, or more from a certain sector that I engage with, like higher ed, for example, will be really interested in those from higher ed. So mm. I will up. Uh, I'll have a little bit more in higher ed this season because I know that my network really like that and it's really helpful. Yeah. Um. So you, sometimes that can inform like who you might get on as guests, but sometimes it's like, oh, why was that not? I thought that was really interesting. Like, why not? And it might just be that it's quite 
they have they are not very well connected to people who already listen they're very different yeah. very different but i like bringing that it's important to bring voices in that not everyone's heard on every other single podcast so it can be a mixture sometimes you'll interview someone with like an amazing i interviewed bruce daisy daisley last season so he was a former vp of twitter in the uk is really good author um it's got a huge audience great podcast eat sleep work repeat and I'd like approach him after a really cool blog he did, criticizing kind of like Stephen Bartlett's thing about he basically called Gen Z even more snowflakes than millennials. And I was like, oh my God, like you'd have moaned about this, Stephen, like a few years ago. So he'd done this really good blog on that. And I was like, hey, kind of a cheeky request. I really like this. This is what I'm doing. Would you be up for it? It's a very niche podcast. He was like, yeah, cool. So I interviewed him and I was like, I can't, I'll tag him in, but I don't expect him to retweet. Sometimes you'll get someone that agrees with your podcast that's got a great yeah. audience and you want them to retweet and or like mm. share it and they, they don't and you can't like force them you just hope they might be interested he did and that episode did really well so like obviously those people with established audiences like can help um but yeah. not as well as someone else that didn't have as big an audience but it just really really resonated and it charted better which is just mad how that kind of thing can happen so sometimes there is no rhyme or reason but that's why it's important to look back um, and I think as you're posting them out, make sure you understand what your marketing activity is doing. So the first four days are really key. I'll do some headliners. I know the clips work really well, but then you'll start seeing yeah. like, oh, that one worked really well. What did I do to promote that? Or what did they do? Like, what was different? Because you then can constantly go, oh, I need to do at least three posts on that channel and a couple there because that seems to be a good yeah. formula. So yeah, I think that kind of stuff, only that level, because you can get really obsessive like, how many people listen to it now? But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's good to have a little look. Is there a channel that you think performs on the whole better than most? For me personally, because of it isn't like an entertainment thing, like LinkedIn and Twitter are where I'll talk yeah. about it most because that's where like my audience is going to be for it. It's I also really find that the groups you're connected with, so I'm, I'm on Guild, for example. I'm on quite a few LinkedIn groups. I don't like to shit post because sometimes you're like, oh God, here she comes again. Like I'm not, I'm not, active all the time professionally on social media because sometimes I'm just like heading to work kids busy yeah. blah, blah blah but I think if you're in connected groups that can really help because they kind of know you from other conversations yeah, so yeah, yeah. I would say being part of community and not just promoting your content is good because then obviously yeah. when you have got content to promote they they listen uh, I'm gonna ask you a couple of quick questions just from based on what you said a minute ago and I think people who are listening might find it very uh, valuable how do you approach guests? Sometimes it might just be because I've seen something on social media, but it can it can sound like a bit of a shitty flex, like, hey, come on my podcast, or like, oh. Um, <laughs> so I'm really conscious about how I do it. But genuinely, often I'll um, approach them, but I do my homework a bit. If it's someone that yeah. I'm like, I would love to speak, there's a few in my head at the moment that I am hoping to approach. I will think about, what have I read of theirs? Like, there's a bit of flattery involved, I guess, but yeah for me i'd take it beyond that it's it's flattery but it's relevant why are they relevant I guess it's a thought process as opposed to just like firing out 500 I've, I've made my mistakes like i have connected some people on linkedin and then like it's been one of the first thing i've said like oh my gosh blah blah blah, blah. i'd love you to come and it's like i'm actually asking to do something like that's kind of embarrassing like but yeah. you shoot your shot where i've had more success is where i've gone hey I've connected with someone or I've read something they've done it and it's very specifically clear why I'd like them to get them on. Sometimes it's schedules and sometimes guests have said to me, what's your audience yeah. before coming on? 
but then coming on after but that's fine like I that's I get that because they must get lots of requests so I think I'm honest with them and I'm like look it's an niche podcast but I really want to speak to you about this um and yeah and just and try and go for it that way okay good advice the other question I was going to ask you you mentioned about people sharing I think we might have talked about this in the in our other podcast but is there anything you do with regards to encouraging people to share the episode once it's live because I, I know for a fact exactly what you said. There'll be some people, and I think, do you know what? That was a killer episode. And you get all excited about it. And it goes live, and you're like, right, wait, wait till I tag them in LinkedIn, and then they'll share it with their audience. We're going to go viral. And okay. it's just tumbleweeds, and you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. And I, I always find it really hard like to sort of – like some people will say, I oh, just ask them. And I'm like, oh. I mention it kind of in the interviewing process like I so I just came up on before I came to you I'm like hey so I'll let you know when it's due out um I'll send you some assets and I'll tag you in the social post kind of like there is an expectation type thing but obviously you can't really expect what I do find tends to work well is if you either got nice graphics nice audiograms nice bits of content you're going to give them and go hey episodes up tomorrow that's interesting i'm just going to show you these in case you want to share it to your networks because you're giving them some content because to be honest sometimes you're like oh what do i post like if you're if you're busy i had one guest that didn't do that and sent him all the stuff and i was like actually (laughs) and i joked about it the other day and i and i literally just did it when i spoke to you and i was like i had social anxiety that i had pissed him off or he didn't like the episode and then he got back to me and was like oh my god i'm so sorry (laughs) i've been away blah 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 blah." and we joked about it because i was like and do I was like absolutely mortified that he didn't like it and he was like oh no and he did the most lovely long LinkedIn piece about it so sometimes it is just genuinely they're busy with other stuff and I get yeah. it because sometimes I am but I think if you can be helpful in the sense of hey I've basically created some content for you if you want to use it great most people go oh cheers actually thank because they came on your podcast they some have asked me like can I use an, um can I get the audio or video from it because I want to use it on my own channel so yeah. I think if you can prov- provide content back in the creator economy it that's a big thing to like helping them promote it I think do you know that's something I don't really do and I don't know I hadn't really thought about it but you're, you're 100% right like you make it easy for them it's, it's it's one of those annoying things in hindsight it's so bloody obvious yeah, you, but you make it easy like how many times have we sat in front of our computer trying to write a linkedin post and you go oh what, what should i write about so you almost put it on a plate for them they can't help yeah well it's just and if they and if they don't want to for whatever reason sometimes i've had it before where someone's actually left or leaving a company and they were like oh i feel really awkward in fact my first effort episode that i recorded for the hear it isn't the episode that actually went out a guy had left okay. and uh, he actually left and was like, I don't want that to kind of be an issue. And I just, I've had like second thoughts about it because I'm, I'm leaving and tricky circumstances kind of thing. And I was yeah. like, cool, don't worry, mate. I will find someone. It's fine. So yeah, <clears throat> sometimes it can be for all sorts of reasons. Okay. Good insights. I'm glad I asked that. Um, I'm expecting great assets, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. oh God, another thing I've got to do now. Let's talk about, struggles and things you find tough like i i i i know how hard podcasting can be well i'm kind of curious what, what's something you struggle with um sometimes I, and i guess it's the same before you get started it's a motivation to get going for a new season so i think taking the breaks really useful because yeah. then i'm really busy with work i think with anything any marketing of your own stuff your own content can take a back burner when you're busy with work Mm-hmm. But it's also really important to do, to put your head up, put content out, because it can help you with the next bit of content or the next bit of marketing that you do. 
Yeah. So I think the energy to go, right, I'm going to do it. And I, I, I've started to do it where I, I'm like, right, I'm going to record. I'm going to record in this like three to four week window, just like record loads of episodes and then start getting them out. So then it, I can spread it out, whatever works for different people. But mentally, yep. I'm like, right, I'm in that mode now. I'm in that approaching people, finalizing interviews. I've got enough for a short season. I might extend it if a couple more people say, yeah, but that's perfect. Okay. And just going for it. And I think where I get fatigue or the struggle is sometimes when you've actually finally got done the interview, you've edited it all and you just get it out and it's promoting it then. Because sometimes you're just like, oh, it's out. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and you kind of forget to promote it. Not because you're just like, I'm sick of my own voice. I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm just promoting my own my own stuff so but that is still really important to do it because obviously then Mm -hmm. if you're looking to monetize if you're looking to grow your audience you do need to put it out there one thing i did find really helpful this past season i need to do a few more actually i reflected back and reposted so if i recharted from doing that twice just because i was like oh just to throw back to this and i was like i don't do that enough like i've got this content that we no one's like you know i've got a good healthy amount of downloads but it's not exactly like load so promoting back is a really really good thing to do yeah i did the same thing i i don't do it anywhere near enough and i got a bit lazy with it but a few months ago i started doing a throwback thursday and i, and I literally went back to episode one and i just kind of almost reposted it throwback thursday to and same as you i just started not quite doubling downloads but one thing you forget when you do this is you build an audience over time and there will be people who Came an audience member yesterday or last week or whatever. I've got no that. idea what you've done yeah, six yeah, months yeah. ago, and actually need that nudge to, um, you know, to check it out sometimes. And a lot of your content, I mean, it depends on the type of podcast, but mine is designed to be relatively evergreen. I had yeah. someone uh, who's an academic doing really interesting research in perfectionism, like so. I think keeping an eye on like when can you bring it up at appropriate times, not just like oh, I did a podcast on that, but. Not being afraid to do that because why wouldn't you? <laughs> I, Can you imagine like I every comment that. on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? From self promotion is really tough. Oh, it's horrible. And, and I see. I I did. I had the same thing yesterday. I saw a thing on LinkedIn and I started writing this post. It's like, oh, funny, you should mention that. I had a podcast with so and so talked exactly, and I didn't post it, and I deleted the comment. Yeah, and I was just but like, sometimes oh. you don't want to be. It's like that whole conversation jumpy. Don't want to be that, but. Yeah, I think it's sometimes if you like, I think repositioning like, oh, I spoke with such and such on my podcast and what they said was really good. Yeah. That is a lot more comfortable than being like, I think what I've done. <laughs> like, I think that's how, yeah, that's how I kind of get But you have to it. get over that to a certain degree, right? Because it, there's yeah. the, the there's the people out there who will give, couldn't care less and will just post it and post it and post it. And, and then they will, that's, they will get growth from that. And it's, it's, it's something that I struggle with. Well, just don't know. forget with Twitter, like you can post something and only a small amount of people will see it. Mm. And reposting it, a different audience will see it. Like some people, yeah, yeah they might see all your posts, but that's unlikely. Like really, mm. genuinely, is unlikely. So I think sometimes you're like, oh, should I tweet that about that again? I, I don't think you want to go overkill, but I don't think you will offend people by doing it a few times. And as long as you're being creative and it's, it, you know, an interesting soundbite is a good one because it's a, it's a piece of content rather than like click this link and do it it's like you're providing it there so if people yeah. aren't interested they scroll but it, i think um yeah it's just finding what that's right for you because people promote in different ways like i think the networking one in different communities and groups is a good one that's kind yeah. of proving better for me i just want to ask you a quick question about seasons you mentioned it you recorded seasons is there a reason for that is there any 
positives to it any downsides to it i think downsides i do downsides first is that sometimes you'll be people get used to your weekly i do weekly um for hear it i do twice a week for have you got five minutes which is exhausting (laughs) but it's just it's but but they're really short episodes but um when you build that momentum up and you're consistent then suddenly going off can be like oh no but for me it's like this is not my main job I've got other things to do and for me I feel refreshed having a break and then I reflect back and go right I'll get some more guests and go back and that's where I think that re-promotion and look and throwback to episodes or quotes I need to do more of that because that can keep you going till the next bit and I mean originally I was like I'm going to start in January I'm going to have a month or two off I'm going to start again but I had two campaigns land interim projects something else I'm like do you know what I'm, I need a bit of a professional break because I need to get my head down with these and then yeah. I'll do do it before. I learnt my lesson last year. I think I left it too too much of a gap. I was going to say that. Is, yeah. it, is it hard to start again? Um, can be, but I think for me, because I want to use it as a marketing tool, um, I, I just had too big a gap because then it just didn't, it wasn't supporting my content stuff as I wanted it to. Yeah. So yeah, but it's personal choice. I don't think for me anyway i think consistency is important once you start putting it out some people like a once a month type thing mm. once a week twice a week whatever i think whatever you decide to just stick to that um and, and not get too worried like realistically like you're not you're not going to start a podcast and it's going to be like a groundbreaking number one hit immediately like yep. it's unlikely unless you're a huge celebrity and got already a huge audience it does take a bit of time to kind of build that up so i think that takes the pressure off, right? Like, just try stuff. And, like, with the newsletter, like, I am pretty consistent. That's taken a while to get consistent. But some weeks, like, the second week of the Easter holidays, I did one on Good Friday. I was just away with family, and I was like, I'm not even going to say it. I'm not doing one this week, guys. I'm just like, I'm not going to do it. No one's going to be like, oh, my God, where is it? I'm so <laughs> devastated. So yeah. I just think taking the pressure off, but just keep yourself a bit accountable if you want to try and do something, you know. Well, yeah. this, this, is why, this is why I do it weekly and don't do it seasonally, because I think if I stop... I, I just, I fear that I probably would be like, oh, I'll do it next week. I'll do it no, next you're week. so good for doing that. I just personally like, right, I need to do it as a season, have a break and um, yeah. and then go again. And it's because I know what works for me. <laughs> and I just, That's so I important. just know for a fact, Rebecca, if I, if I stopped. That's it. It's like, it's, it's like when you do, I did, um, it's like when you do these 30 day challenges. And I, I did one last year where I filmed myself every day because I was trying to get over that hurdle of putting myself on camera. And by the end of it, I was like, do you know what? Actually, I'm quite enjoying this. And then 30 days came out, I was like, not doing that anymore. And it's like, well, I actually, I think I think I said, oh, well, I'll have a break and then I'll get back to it. But I just, yeah, I have to do it every week. Otherwise, it'll just stop. Yeah, I think it's important. But I think for me, because I do the Engaging Youth Insights Report, and I've also just found out I've been commissioned by CRPR to do some research on young people, yeah. like media habit, habits. So I need to take a break i guess to do those other bits of content that are important in my world um one isn't paid one will have a bit of income from it so it's just like trying to balance it and also suddenly like i'm like oh who else would be really cool or do i want to change the format Mm. and then like try and build up some good guests again but yeah it's it's constant like evolution of things and i think finding what's right for you with any type of content it's like if you're going to be a creator it needs to be your personal it's about you and your personal brand what's right for you your capacity it's to enjoyable do ultimately it's, doesn't like, it it's fun right like why would you do yeah. this podcasting isn't for everyone it, for me it just felt more natural but if it's not your thing and you've tried it like just try something else agreed tell me about uh podcasters you admire if you could shadow one 
podcaster for the day, who would it be? Oh, you know, I really, really like Elizabeth Day's podcast, How to Fail, um, because I think she really balances kind of the interesting conversations and insight with some real vulnerability in there. And I think it's a really nice balance. Like you're never sure whether you'll get something really personal and deep with someone or just really insightful and stuff. So I, I like her stuff. I think that would be really interesting. Okay. I've not heard of her. I'll have to. Uh... Yeah. How to Fail podcast. It's really How good. To fail. Do you, have you connected with her? No, I'm just like just like a little just creepy a super fan. No, I just she's she's on my list. And I tell you, there's a new podcast that is absolutely hilarious, and I'll I'll look at it up a sec because I don't want to get it wrong, cause, you know. Um, but it's just totally different. But it just makes me laugh so much. I've had it. It's called I've had it, um, okay. and it is just these two women. Ever, I would say they're probably early fifties, something like that an American and they're just what they've had enough uh, enough of so for example the other week it was like I've had it with people who post videos of themselves crying on social media because something bothered them like what the fuck is that thought process <laughs> but it's just so funny and it's like yeah. it's not like a it's just entertaining and it's just really different and I was like I really like I like I'm a angry little short person I like that kind of stuff it just made me it's a really funny one so that is a good one and it always looks really fun they've, they've I think the people that are doing really well like the nearly married Jamie Lang podcast. There's a few now, and like um, Peter Crouch has got one out with uh, his wife as well. Um, yeah. The filming and the clips of those, and how well they've kind of done on social media and TikTok in particular and Reels, it's really grown their audiences. And I think I'd be really interested in that type of format that does very well on a video front. Yeah. Because I think that is a really neat tactic in itself. I think it's better when there's like a couple of co-hosts. For me, the formula work seems to be if you've got two co-hosts that do something on video and that rapport, that's what you want to keep on as well. Yeah. But th- that's just my insight, my thoughts on it. But. Is there room for a, an American history and uh, hear it crossover podcast? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't think I would. Uh, it would just be me and my husband like rowing about stuff that we're annoyed about and ranting and like correcting oh, each I other. I thought people would buy it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think the world's ready. No, but I do think, I think also a lot of people I know have, my, my podcasts are quite work-related, but a lot of them, people do have stuff that's just like personal and fun. Yeah. So I think if it's, even if you're a hobby, I think that is really, can be a really nice escapism. I know someone's I mean, got one on Mad Men and her and a friend talk about, and again, I'm not sure if they've met in person, but they just talk about guests and like theories and what they love. And it's like, it's like a passion project, right? So I yeah. think that's just important to have that. I've, my brother's just started one about Star Wars. He's like seven weeks in. Ace. Yeah, he loves it. Uh, interestingly, so one of my annoyances about having a podcast is I find that, and I'm a massive podcast fan, and it sounds like you are as well, but one of my, my biggest annoyances is I don't I feel like I listen to as many podcasts as I would like to because I'm too busy. Well, not too busy, wrong word. I am too, I'm listening to my own as a kind of an editing process and like any spare minute, like, you know, particularly I'm listening to less podcasts in general now anyway, because of working from home and the rest of it. Do you find the same? Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Massively. I, I listen to more. So one of my clients last year, I had quite a big commute and I'd go to them like two, three times a week. And I had like an hour there and in traffic that was like yeah. two and back sometimes. And I was listening to loads and I had a real variety. And I, I loved that like driving and yeah, podcasts yeah. is like I love it I'm not Same. listening as much because I'm working from home and I find sometimes if it's a podcast I really enjoy I want I'm listening to it I can't write 
and do my own work, which is writing about things, listening to another conversation. No, I can't. It's just not, I can't do it. So I literally was thinking yesterday, I need to build in um, break, like walking time, just to kind yep. of go out for like half an hour so I can chill, listen to a podcast and refresh, just come into the, I've got several projects on, on at the moment. So it's kind of good to have a little bit of a mental break, but mm-hmm. I need to build it in because if I don't, I won't do it. And then I'll just get to the end. Oh, oh, I've seen like loads of podcasts that, that are my podcasts that I listen to that I'm just not having time to do it. And that, because I don't have that commute at the moment with my clients as they are, I am not as listened to as many. So yeah, I totally sympathize. And I think because we're going back to that point I made about being real one-to-one experience it's yeah. just building that time, isn't it, in your day? Like, when am I? When could I listen to something? Like, when am I having mm. that time just alone with my thoughts? Because you should just have time alone with no no one speaking. But podcasts are a real nice escapism, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. I I I, I, I listen to them on the school run, but it's it's not really long enough to sort of get in deep. It's two minutes. Even... My school run's two minutes. Like, oh. I literally can walk around the corner. So it's just that's horrendous, right? So it's literally like clips yeah. of something. Do you buy my toxic trait trait as well as? buying almost a ridiculous amount of books, listen to podcasts that make me want to buy stuff. I do. And I actually did a LinkedIn post about this last week. And there's a word for that called sonduku. Yeah, the Japanese one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what it means is buying books that you're not going to read. And I do. My 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 bedroom, bedside table and the, the sideboard in my bedroom is just covered in books. Yeah, so I, I do. I will read most of them. To be fair, I've been a bit stricter. Like, am I going to actually read this, or am I just intrigued by it? By it, but that, I, I think you feel more intelligent listening to more podcasts because hearing yeah. different people speak in a way that you don't normally get in a clipped interview or whatever is great. So you're like, oh, that's fascinating. Like, I've got some a real nice diversity in my reading because of yeah. it. I think. Well, this is. I mean, this was the thing. So we we talk about this a lot about how we used to commute into London. And it used to, be, used to have like a 20 minute walk to the train station, then a half hour train and a 20 minute walk to the office and then obviously coming home again. And I used to listen to podcasts on the way to the train. And depending on what the podcast was, I would either carry on listening to it on the train or I would read a book. So I was consuming like, I don't know, four or five hours. Well, no, more like six or seven hours of reading and of podcast every week. And I used to love it. And now I don't do that anymore. And it's like, there's this massive gap in my, I was like, oh, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of negatives for commuting every day. But that was the one positive that I really sort of do miss a little bit. No, I, I think yeah. that's a real thing. It's just trying mm-hmm. to build on that time of like, when are you reading or when can you listen? Because I've yeah. got a lot of really great books, but they're not very good pre-bed books because they're like quite intense, like learning yeah. books. So I need to read them when my brain is like up for... And you're not half. You're not asleep halfway through the first <laughs> yeah. sentence. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. Let's talk about advice for people wanting to start. And I know you've shared loads, but if someone came up to you and said they wanted to start a podcast, um, what, what would you say to them? Um, just to do it. And I think that's the thing around. Like I had this kind of like idea brewing for ages, and I was like faffing around what kit I needed. Essentially anyone can do it with just the, their phone and the most basic kit free stuff that's available so I think you take yeah. that pressure off um in fact a guest of mine brought me a, a microphone as like a thank you which Everybody. was nice and um, first season as a contribution because basically my audio wasn't brilliant 
and I had to get over the fact that a you're putting yourself out there but also it's not going to sound perfect straight away and I think mm. the best thing was just just start and I think if you want to write down like who is this for is there a structure to it so you know intro and outro am I going to ask the same kind of questions you know there was another one that I'm I'm recording them with guests from someone else's and they've changed their questions like we're asking every guest these things this time and I've actually put that back into this season so I used to always ask someone about like books or podcasts or whatever because that also en- enabled me to tag those in make the show it's really rich and useful um and yep. it's just interesting so again it's just thinking about what format you want and and then just to give it a go I mean ultimately you could just record something and not put it out there but I I really would urge anyone to just to go for it because what's the worst what's the worst that can happen like it doesn't get loads of listens and you decide it's not for you like okay at least you know but this whole like i'd love to do that i think you just yeah there's there's not very many barriers to it there's a lot of free and very low cost things you can do to to get going i I mean you could do it totally free i think i i think i read the other day like anchor you could use that as a host they don't don't charge anything they put it straight on spotify for you yeah um and podbean i mean i think it's like 70 quid a year it's not even yeah. that much, and that automatically posts for you. So I think there's lots of free and low-cost ones now available. So, mm. yeah, and also the other thing I think if you're, like, worried about, oh, people won't be interested because there's enough on that already, um, there's very few completely original ideas, firstly. But secondly, when you listen to some of the ones you like or in there, not even some of the really big ones I know, the audio isn't perfect. Like, oh, my God, like, yeah. really isn't. So just, like, take the, that pressure off because I think a lot of people are, like, oh will I my voice sound professional enough or whatever, whatever. <laughs> yeah it's just I think you just have to go for it I think it's interesting what you said about like will, will not many people listen to it. I think with technology the way it is and the internet the way it is even if it is as niche a topic as you think it is the world is at your feet right there was there are communities out there of people into xyz and whatever that you will find I think yeah, and you're doing yeah. it because you're interested, not because you're like obsessed with everyone else. Like you are doing it for an audience, but it's because you're interested. So I think that it's, it's a, a funny bit of content, really, isn't it? Because often you're thinking about, I need to reach as many people as possible. But you're reaching a similar group, so yeah, it's it's a different, it's just a very yeah. different medium. And I think that that takes a, for me anyway. It took the pressure off. I was like, well, if some people listen to it, great. But like it ha- like it's nice it's a, it's a useful thing and I think it's the people that will connect to me on social media or start following me or drop me a message now and again saying oh thanks or whatever and yeah, yeah. that's that's cool like I think I've not got any bigger goals or aspirations than that at the moment with it so yeah I did the same thing when I started I, I said to myself I know I want to do it and I'm going to give it a try and I'm not even going to look at analytics for 12 months because I don't care because I just know that the reasons I want to do I want to try it and I don't want you know if I've got no audience or whatever then I don't want it to put me off because you don't learn anything from doing a few episodes anyway so if I came back to you in 12 months time and you said to me Chris you know what it's been really good good year for my podcasts what what would have happened I think probably having at the moment it's totally squeeze in on everything else I do so yeah. I think there's I'm at a point in my business, I guess, and I guess podcasting as well is like if I want to scale or move things forward, something's got to give at some point because there is only yeah. just one of me. So it's whether either through sponsorship or through my work scaling, there are things that happen that enable that to happen. And I've spoken to quite a few of the podcasters that are at a similar point, like this is like the side bit and whatever. But 
yeah, that, that'll come at a point, like, it'll either kind of sustain itself pretty neatly um, and enable me to kind of spend enough time on it to make it more regular, as well as doing yeah. my other campaigns, so my actual work work. Um, and also the guests and stuff. For, for me, the success is like, oh, my God, I can't believe I've got this and this person on. And then this conversation did really well because it was, like, really groundbreaking. It's just talked about something we don't talk about. That, for yeah. me, would probably be more successful than getting a sponsor and analytics, to be honest. Um, so yeah, that, the, that when someone says, yeah, no, I want to come on or like, yeah, I'll do something. That is, that's a great feeling, right? Like it's really nice yeah. to get, kind of have those conversations. Is there a particular guest that you have got your eye on or you There's always a, come in on? Always a few. There's a few, couple coming on. I'm like, that's cool. And there is someone that I'm about to ask <laughs> that I've actually met them a few times through sport, but, um, I'm not sure they'd come on, but then you just never know until you're asked, do you? say, so I'm going to shoot my shot. You have to shoot your shot. There's, there's There's one I've got coming up, which I've took a total punt. And it's just like I sent them a message. And they're like, yeah, sounds good. I was like, but what? The, <laughs> but that's the thing. I think it's almost like when we said before, you know, do a bit of homework on the person. Why do you want to get them on? Why is it relevant to your audience? Mm. You don't have to be like a big kiss off, but saying like, look, I'd love to come on because of this. What do you think? And I, why not? Like, yeah, some, I mean, they 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 don't want to feel like you've just spammed five hundred people with the same message, right? They want to feel like actually this person. And is I had someone say yes, oh, eighteen months ago, and I really want to get her on, but her business and everything she's doing is so astronomical, like so crazy. So it was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I followed up, and then we've just not her schedule, my schedule. It's just not happened. It will eventually yeah. happen. And sometimes mm. you just get that, and you're like, oh, never. Um, but what's great is because I do seasons, there was someone I wanted last season that because the World Cup couldn't get and was really busy out in Qatar, blah, blah, blah. And then it's fallen for this season, so it'll work. And sometimes yeah. that's just, if you've always got a, like your eye on next, you're like, come to me and like let's have a chat. Um, but yeah. Good stuff. You mentioned your newsletter a couple of times. I want to yes. promote it because I do, I am subscribed to it and it is a good read. Do you want to give a quick elevator pitch on that? Yeah, so that effectively is um, everything that I see in a week or so that is re- related to children or young people, particularly in the UK. Sometimes I have some international stuff, so it'll be links to research, articles, just stuff going on. So if you have young people as an audience group and you're trying to market or communicate yep. with them, it's just handy. It has some like interest. Or even if you're just a parent. I, I share, mean, I share, parents, I share yeah. the articles quite often with my wife that you send. Some of the stuff like, you know, TikTok trends or other stuff. Sometimes it's like, you know, the whole Wes Anderson stuff. So last week it was like, if you're working in higher ed and you're not using the Wes Anderson thing on TikTok, like, I mean, your I, face, there's, Chris. There's some, trend, <laughs> there's some trends I've seen. That Wes Anderson one is just bonkers. It's bizarre, but it works well. So how I try and do it, it's not just like, my, my pet peeve is like oh look at young people doing this crazy thing it's more just like okay so if you are a university this is a really great way to show your institution off it's like they'll get it but you're mm. gonna have you'll be able to just film like your library or someone do something newsnight did the west anderson one if you've not did seen they? the Newsnight one it is a me- it's so good I'll, really I'll, really good i'll link to it i'll link to it in the show um, notes, yeah. so yeah it's it's stuff like that it's not all trends stuff, but it's some fun stuff some serious stuff so the one today had something from liberty so they're um charity they've brought nine youth organizations together and they're they've released a paper and a campaign this week talking about how to tackle youth violence through non-policing measures so this is all stuff that i consume regularly to to inform my engaging youth report but my that report's like once a year so i compile everything and do it but like there's stuff going on all the time right so when i do like i 
of doing quite a lot of workshops and training on engaging with people and the consistent thing that was coming was like oh can you send me the link to that can you send me a link to that well I don't have time like I'm not going to remember it's my honesty like not time but I'm just <laughs> not going to remember to send people so so I was like actually a newsletter is I don't sell stuff on it like it's not ads it's just like hey this is just like a quick fire it's pretty quick and dirty it's not really slick or anything it just will share stuff if you're interested yep. so yeah that's that's kind of like pitch that wasn't an elevator pitch in any way but yeah no but it is a good read and i would encourage anyone uh listening or watching this to sign up i would also encourage people to sign up or subscribe to both of your podcasts thank you they are good listens (laughs) rebecca thank you for coming on today it's been a pleasure chatting to you again it's been great to come on again any final words for the audience no just go out there and start creating that's the best thing like anyone ever told me just to get to get over myself and start doing it to get over yourself everyone and just start creating content it's amazing how quickly you sort of just forget the reasons why you put it off yeah you and i think that's the thing it's like what's the the worst that can happen because it probably won't be that like you put you offending someone or getting trolled like it's yeah just i think just doing that and then at least you know like the worst thing is to think i should have done this years ago I think I heard you saying the other day, it was like the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is today. And I know it said cheesy, but I'm like, it is so true just to get on with it. It is. And I think that is, I've heard that before. It's very true. And I think that's a great place to finish up. Rebecca, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. That was Tink, your interview with podcaster Rebecca Roberts. If you made it to the end, thank you. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm assuming you did, hence still being here. Feel free to share any thoughts on any of the social channels at Tenq Interview everywhere you may look. That's all from me for now. Make sure you subscribe wherever you are listening to this and the next Tenq Interview episode will be live in your feed very, very soon. Take care of yourselves. Bye.